Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, welcome to Chapel. I'm so grateful that you guys uh, took some time out of your day to to tune in. Uh, Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Vince Bantu. He's a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, um, actually at their Houston campus. But, you know, with sheltering in place and the craziness of the coronavirus, um, you know, we're all just kind of doing this uh, distance stuff. So he's back with his family in Missouri. And um, yeah, so we're just going to talk today a little bit about some realities of being um, black and and uh, a Christian working in, in, in predominantly white spaces. So, Dr. Vantu, welcome to Chapel. Uh, just tell tell everybody a little bit about your background. We we know about some of your books and everything, but uh, just tell us a little bit about about you. Oh yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here and in and just to be in this conversation. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually, uh, as you mentioned, I've been uh, been kind of sheltering in place, waiting for whatever the new normal is going to be. Um, I'm back in my hometown, actually, in St. Louis, and uh, this is where I was born and raised. Uh, and um, yeah, I uh, have family and community here, um, and this is where I, you know, first really started to walk with the Lord and got the call to ministry and moved away and, uh, you know, um, yeah, felt the call to academics and especially really like kind of teaching, learning about African uh, ancient African Christianity and history. So uh, those are some of my passions. But uh, but also I live, you know, uh, here with my my wife and our two daughters, uh, my wife, Diana, and our daughters, Aina and Naniki, uh, they're nine and 11. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, a little bit about uh, just a little bit of basics about kind of what I and as you mentioned, I teach at Fuller uh, at the Houston campus. And then I also uh, run a uh, an African American seminary called the Meacham School of Hymenote. So I'm kind of in, in two places. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm sure yeah, yeah, not not Superman, but um, but it sounds like you're busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 just a little bit. Yeah, you you mentioned when we <clears throat> we've chatted before about um travel that that you and your daughters and your family like y'all are really into y'all y'all burn up the road. So tell us a little bit about about that. Man, we burn them up. We put, we put, we got miles on our minivan. Yeah, we we've literally driven our minivan all across the North American continent, uh, like for real, U.S. and Canada, uh, like from Vancouver to Newfoundland, like because I, um, <laughs> and so yeah, we've been all up and up and down Canada too, uh, and everywhere in between. But yeah, we love traveling. Our re- our most recent one uh, to Utah and just kind of drove around and saw a lot of the beautiful national parks and just the scenery is stunning. 
Um, but uh, but shout out to British Columbia because one time we did a trip, uh, you know, across from Vancouver to Calgary, and no lie, the entire time, like we were just like looking up like this, like this, like <laughs> the mountains, <laughs> and they'll mess you up, man. <laughs> and those mountains were just like they were. That, that was the most stunning scenery ever. But yeah, we love traveling though, and we homeschool too, so we we have more flexibility to just kind of get up and do that sometimes. So. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. You know, I think, you know, as, as, as challenging as the pandemic has been and continues to be, um, yeah, it, it, you still can drive, you know, and so it does still give you the opportunity to get out and see, see different things. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to talk for a little bit. Um, we, we were going to have uh, Dr. Temple Smith kind of join us, but I think we just had some scheduling things, which is, it's all good. We'll, we'll do another thing with her, but you know, you've been in, in higher ed for a while now, uh, teaching, but also, you know, at pastor churches before and everything. And so, uh, you know, we've both been, you know, in predominantly white spaces in you know, Christian higher ed, and then as well as pastoring, you know, kind of multiracial churches. So I, I just wanted to talk just for a little bit about your experience, you know, um, what are maybe some some kingdom highlights that you see about, you know, working in predominantly white Christian spaces, but also what are some, some challenges to, to that experience? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, you know, all of my schooling and training was in predominantly white, uh, institutions. Uh, some of them were conservative Christian evangelical institutions, and some of them were liberal Protestant, like mainline, um, uh, kind of more left-leaning schools and, and, uh, and you know, some were Protestant, Catholic, uh, all over the map, but, but all of them were predominantly white. <laughs> and so um, there was a lot of theological and political diversity, but there was kind of the, uh, yeah, the constancy of being a minority. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, it, was, it's, um, it, was, it was really um, tricky. Uh, and even still now, and, and also on the other side now, even, I mean, I haven't, uh, been teaching that long. Um, but even in my short, I guess, career as a young scholar, you know, I've even had the opportunity to teach in a diversity of, of white, predominantly white institutions, um, that were, have been liberal and conservative and, and everywhere in between on that spectrum. Um, and, uh, and so that's, uh, that's definitely been, um, I, I would say a challenge. Uh, I mean, it's been, I think there's benefits and challenges on both sides. Like I, I would just say kind of, the, you know, in general, that some of the privileges of teaching in conservative white spaces is that there is a there is a commitment to the truth of scripture um, and a commitment to the authority of scripture. Now, there's not always a consistent like uh, you know kind of uh, following all of what scripture teaches and and listen. That, that hermeneutic it'll mess you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. But to be fair, you know, all of us in the body of Christ are guilty of that in some degree. Yep. Um, but. Uh, but I mean, you know, uh, that, but especially with regard to uh, the values of justice, uh, there's often like a lack of, um, of really hearing and of obeying the Bible on that regard. Uh, and, and on the flip side, in liberal white spaces, um, there has also been a, uh, almost like an opposite experience of uh, there being a very refreshing, uh, at least kind of verbal commitment <laughs> uh, to, to issues of justice. Um, and, and um, you know, uh, and at least a stated understanding that justice is very much a part of, of the Christian faith and witness. Um, but the, one of the difficult things in, in a lot of liberal white spaces is, is the opposite of one of the strengths of the conservative ones is that there's often not 
a very strong commitment or any kind of commitment to the authority of the word of God, or honestly, any kind of sense of like, of, of, of truth, um, uh, you know, except if it's regarding issues of justice. And so it feels kind of like there's a binary. And so I will say uh, that it's been very refreshing um, and very uh, life-giving to teach in minority spaces as well. That's another another area. As I mentioned, I even started my own seminary, an African-American seminary, um, you know, because of, out of the concern that a lot of this binary between liberal conservative that, that the majority of black academic scholarship has really just kind of followed the mainline liberal uh, theological perspective. And a lot of that is because of a lack of acceptance and empowerment in the conservative evangelical spaces uh, that black uh, students and professors have often experienced. So there's often more of an empowerment in the liberal spaces uh, financially, pedagogically, culturally, uh, so on and so forth. And so most of those, uh, many of those black spaces are very liberal uh, as well uh, in, in, in helpful ways, but also liberal in unhelpful ways. And so, um, and so I think that's why it, it's been empowering to, you know, even have the opportunity to teach and to, uh, to run a black seminary that's biblical and justice oriented. But also even I've had the opportunity to teach in other contexts uh, like Native American or First Nations uh, seminaries and Christian colleges. And that's also been a, um, you know, in black and in indigenous spaces to be able to teach, uh, that's that's also been a, um, a really helpful uh, experience for me. Um, I would say, you know, both to be in a more holistic context theologically, but also just to be in a place where people look like you and people are, or people are of a different uh, culture, but they're still people of color and have a similar experience of, of trauma and of, of, uh, of communal identity and um, that, that's very similar. And that's just also been very uh, empowering to me to be able to teach in those kind of contexts, especially because I didn't have the opportunity to learn as a student in those kind of spaces. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, the, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. I think, um, you know, you're right. We, we could we could have a, this conversation could branch in a lot of different ways. <laughs> you know, we could talk about um, compensatory inequality. You know what I'm saying? Amen, somebody. I'm just saying, you know, we, we could talk about that in terms of the financial, you know, sort of implications and the differences. Um, I think one thing for me that that has really been something that I've thought a lot about, just given the, the way my career has gone, is um, over assimilation. So what I feel like happens so many times for, for black scholars is they're in these predominantly white spaces. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say just black scholars, black, black staff, faculty whatever, you know, but they're in these predominantly white spaces, um, especially with, you know, either a Christian veneer or solidly Christian sort of pillars. And they they just come out on the other side uh, reflecting that same dominant white culture, you know, and they, they give so too much of themselves um, over to that experience rather than sort of being, I would say, more fully who, who God has called them to be regarding their race and ethnicity, et cetera. You know, they begin to speak very differently you know, they, the things that they read become very narrowed, um, et cetera. And um, again, we, we could have a long conversation about this, but the, the I, I really feel like you, you should get hazardous pay. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you should get hazardous pay when you are black or minority working in predominantly white spaces. But what, what do you think? <laughs> oh, oh, most definitely. I mean, that's just what I mean. Yeah, I, I think there's so many uh there's so many, I think, um, accommodations and, and empowerments that need to happen. 
um, for people of color and especially BIPOC, you know, uh, communities coming into predominantly white spaces. Um, you know, I do, and uh, I do think uh, that there is a special, I think that, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to diminish anybody's experience. I just think that there is a special need uh, that white spaces have to sit at the feet of and learn from and empower, especially the descendants of slaves and the descendants of the first peoples of this land whose land was stolen. Mm -hmm. Those are unique traumatic experiences uh, and, and oppressions that, that this continent was built upon. Um, and, uh, and I think that there is a, a strong need to really learn from those communities and to put into place all kinds of, of, uh, of, of special considerations and empowerments and, and, uh, and things like, you know, that, that should take monetary form and should take the form of salary. And also one thing, you know, I mean, one specific thing that I do, uh, James is I, um, when I teach, uh, for example, like, you know, again, that, this is part of why I'm in two places. Like I'm in a, a black, I'm, you know, running a black school, but I'm also in a predominantly white school. And I, you know, I want to be in both places. Um, because I don't want us as part of what you were saying, like, I don't want, I don't want it that every time, uh, one of us gets a certain amount of education or, or whatever, that we always are getting snatched up and used in the service of trying to make white institutions better. That's a noble cause. And that's a noble thing. And many of us are called to it, but that, you know, that cannot be all of what we do. We also have to find ways to pour into existing black or indigenous or other institutions of color as well and to stay rooted in those uh those networks as well um and then even when we're in those white spaces again one of the hazard pays uh that i take myself is honestly just a release from thing with uh with white ignorance and white racism and white uh oppressive behavior is that i mean i like now i'll call it out don't hear me wrong Yep. But I don't, I don't, I don't stress myself out over it, or I just, I don't take that on myself. I think a lot of times now, some people are called to take that on and really address it and really get into the weeds and and help, you know, some of our white brothers and sisters who are who are blind a lot of times to uh, issues of white supremacy and white privilege. A lot of times, people of color in white spaces will really take that on themselves and and really see themselves in this almost priestly role to okay. help uh, our white brothers and sisters really disentangle that. And if someone, if God's calling someone to that, amen, and I, I say, yeah, I say, go for it. I'm just being upfront about the fact, and I'm upfront with my white institution, that that is not my calling. That is not what I'm here to do. We have to know our lane and stay in it. And other, and I think a lot of times people feel that, and this is actually, I think, how white fragility and white supremacy work. Many times, a lot of white times, white folks will just put that responsibility on people of color and people take that on themselves like i have to help you fix all your shit. And i'm like maybe maybe god if god says so then maybe but just you know a lot of times i think a lot of our white brothers and sisters need to stop putting that responsibility on people of color and be like oh uh you know another um you know uh, uh another uh george floyd happened you know hey call me and teach me come tell me come and yeah. i'm like no, don't, don't put that on everybody. Like it's, it's people of color's responsibility to come and explain everything and hold you by the hand. Yeah, pick up a book. Yeah, like you know, like and, and yeah, go pick up a book and and you need to talk to your people. Like don't put that on people of color to be the one to be the angry black person or or whatever. But you need to go talk to your people. Don't, and so I I I get that a lot of times, even in my institution, and I'm like, nope, 
nope. <laughs> now, I will say that, you know, I will appreciate that Fuller allows me, I, I, at Fuller Seminary, I come in saying, I am here to be black. And exactly to your point earlier, I teach in a black way. I teach in, you know, African-American vernacular, even like <laughs> I, I teach predominantly black sources. I teach, uh, you know, in just everything is blackity black about my classes. <laughs> and, 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 and you know why? Because it's not because that's better. That cultural perspective is better, but it's because I am one of the only black professors. And so this is going to be the only space that students of all cultures can experience the rich history and literary corpus that we have. And I would hope and empower indigenous or Asian American or Hispanic teachers to do the same because our faculty is overwhelmingly white. Our reading list is overwhelmingly white. And so we have to help to, to as Paul says in First Corinthians 12, give greater honor to the parts of the body that have lacked it. And so that's, uh, and, and I just really stay in that lane and I don't take on those things. And that's one of the hazard pays that I, that I, that I just make it clear when I'm stepping into white space that it's like, I'm here to help bring the richness of who we are into this space. And so I am just assuming that you want that and you're willing and ready to learn and listen and, and any issues of like white supremacy or white fragility, y'all are going to deal with that. And y'all are going to confront that when it pops up. Not me. If you try to put me in that box, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's not happening. Because <laughs> yeah. I know that I'm not called to that. And I've seen black people burn out and get stressed out in white space because they put that they they put that that mandate on themselves when God didn't give that to them. And I think we just have to be able to free ourselves up to be like, you know what, we gotta just figure out what God's called us to do and 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 really operate in that in that gift. Yeah. Hey, hey, amen. Uh, y'all, y'all young people at Trinity Western, uh, Dr. Bantu is preaching to y'all. So you can go ahead and pass around the collection plate and uh, we'll we'll send that in the service of, of, of all the <laughs> doors of the church. There you go. Um, no, I, I think you're totally right. You know, I think for for a lot of uh, black black folks who are working in, in predominantly white spaces, they they end up feeling by default that they have to solve all these issues. And and to your point. You know, I, I see I saw this thing online the other day and it was it was this guy talking about, you know, being a black person working in white spaces and that white people, you know, want to come, like you said, and ask you all these questions and, and glean this knowledge. And, and like you said, if some people if you're called to that, more power to you. You know what I'm saying? Nothing, nothing wrong. But what he was saying is essentially was it um, like I didn't I'm, I'm not responsible for racism. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was like, I mean, I have some things to say about it. I have some critiques. I have some some pathways forward that might be helpful. But really, I mean, and it, it, it takes a village. And so we're all going to have to do a part to, to heal this. But white people need to be empowered to address white people to say, hey, like privilege is real. You know, uh, systemic racism is real and 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 they can speak to to their people, so to speak, in ways that, that we just can't or that people can receive it anyways. And so, yeah, it's like being able to figure out your lane and the things that God's called you to. And then whatever that lane is like, do that, you know, do that excellently, do that faithfully and don't lose yourself in the process as if, you know, the melanin that we have is a curse. It's not a curse. You know, white, white people are able to walk into whatever space they're in because they're prim primarily in homogenous spaces where they're in power. They, they never think about not being their full self, you know, not living out their cultural realities, their, you know, their vernacular, other things. They come in and they're just like, hey, I'm fill in the blank, whoever I am. That's that's who I am all day, 24-7, 365. But when you're a person of color, you know, you, you're thinking, well, okay, well, am I too much? Well, do I need to dial this back? Well, I don't know. You know, your hairstyle, you shave my hair. You know, you're thinking all these things, which is, it's it's a burden. It's a burden. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, for real. It is. Yeah. Well, well, I, I appreciate your time. I mean, this has been great just to, to check in with you and talk about some of this stuff. Um, as we as we go, like, just tell us a little bit about um, your seminary that you, that you talked about. I know you guys had a, a conference um, uh, last year. And um, I was able to log on for that, which was really great. So, so kudos to you guys, and I think the the hard work you're trying to do. But tell us a little bit about the seminary and just how people can kind of kind of follow along and, and get involved. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, well, again, I mean that uh, I, I, you know, kind of like uh, it really, I think, just ties into what we're talking about because by me by me uh, working in and, and starting and serving in a black seminary in addition to working at a predominant school, that's one of the ways that I do self-care. <laughs> and that's one of the ways that I, you know, thrive in a predominantly white space is by also having a foothold in a black space. Now, again, everybody's gonna have different calls. Like some of us might be called to just teach in the HBCU or, or in a black seminary or in a black space, black church or whatever. And some of us are gonna be called really just to be in a white space. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm biracial that I kind of feel called to be in both places and, and be a bridge, but it's, you know, but all, many of us could do that similar uh, kind of method as well and and so really I just you know um, so yeah that's that's uh, but again it's, it's really connected to what I was saying earlier about um, I, I definitely see the merit and value of 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 those of us you know being in teaching and ministering and working in predominantly white schools especially to be able to access the resources that these schools have that uh, and then to be able to transfer them and bring them over into spaces of color uh something that i really um you know value uh, value doing and also partnering with with white brothers and sisters in christ that are allies and that really want to see uh justice done and true unity uh happen and so i i definitely feel called to that but at the same time i also think that there's something to be said about about serving in and really building black institutions and and uh you know academic institutions ecclesiastical institutions community development, all various forms and really serving in those uh, those kind of spaces. So that's really what uh, what really led me to start this. And and what really led me to really, again, to start a seminary, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a big vision of the Meacham School of Note uh, is to present a, uh, and to really create a space for academic theology that is both Afrocentric and unapologetically black, but that's also uh, very rooted in biblical orthodoxy, because again, most, um, almost all of the, or really all of the, the black seminaries that do exist are all really predominantly in this very liberal mainline theological perspective that does not see the Bible as the word of God or as Jesus as the, the ultimate kind of only way, truth, and the life. And so what we're really trying to do is to reclaim and reframe black theology that actually is more connected to the black church um, and, uh, and, you know, and the lived experience of, of black faith. And um, and so we do that through our school and our academic programs. We have, you know, through partnerships with accredited schools, we have uh, degree programs. Um, and uh, and then also we have a, a conference that you mentioned that we do that every October. It's coming up again. So if anybody's interested, the call for papers, if there's any, uh, you know, graduate students or uh, or, or even or scholars, um, you know, uh, we uh, uh, the call for papers is open for this next conference coming up, and it's on our website, uh, meacham.org. And uh, and uh, but it's also open; anybody can attend. So if undergrads are thinking about theology and and uh, act, you know all that kind of stuff, especially black theology, it would be great to attend. It'll be virtual. Um, and then also uh, we have a journal that's published out of that academic society. 
uh, and our first journal from our la our previous conference, the first journal will be published. It's in the co it's in the process now of being edited, and it will be published uh, by this fall by the next conference. And and uh, that's another uh, another thing that we're doing to try to increase the presence of again black academic theological scholarship. Um, but that's also boldly and openly um, biblical uh, or orthodox in its in its theology. Um, and so, uh, yeah, through our school and conference and, and also our uh, journal, those are really ways in which uh, we're trying to create black theological academic space um, in, uh, in, in the broader academy. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, great, great seminary. Um, I, I had a, a good time, you know, being on the, or not being on, but joining the, the conference last year and um, encourage people to check it out. So um, thanks so much. You guys have a have a good day for chapel and uh, uh, check out Do Dr. Bantu's work. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love. Thank you.